0: McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright.
1: Before we jump into today's show, I have a quick note, Um, and that is this. So, during the show, I was talking about the uh, fall championships and what's going on there, and uh, I wasn't totally sure what was going on, so I went and checked after I was done recording this, and here's the information that you should just keep in the back of your head as we go through this. So, the NCAA has postponed all fall championships, so all of the fall sports um, will have their championships either in the spring or they won't happen depending on what happens with the coronavirus. Um, But as of right now, no fall championships is the plan for uh, this season. Uh, There is one exception though, and that is FBS football. Uh, And that is because the college football playoff isn't run by the NCAA. It's actually run by the conferences. So, As we dig into this stuff, just keep that in mind um, as you go forward. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're going to talk about something more fun, at least for a little bit, than uh, talking about college football just ending right in front of our eyes. Um, There are, I guess, some updates there. The NCAA said that it won't have any fall championships, some people are upset about that, particularly, I think Missouri sent out some press release saying, we were told they were going to wait another week before they made a decision, but because the rule is that uh, if less than half of the teams are competing, this is like what you typically do. I don't understand whether that means you have to shut it down or you just get the option to shut it down and they took that option, um, but the point is no fall championships, <sighs> which means... Uh, I would guess you're going to see all of college football kind of push things to the spring um, so that you can get the season in and then crown a national champion in April or May or whenever this happens. Um, So there's your update. Let's forget that the world is ending for a second uh, by talking about Manscaped. Manscaped is full of incredible products. And I feel like every day I'm on here saying, like, yep. They're, they're changing the game today because I'm headed to the NVR bar and it's hot out in the Crop Reserver. Well, that's going to be the case again today. Um, but we should probably give some love to another one of their products. The t-shirt that you get if you order the perfect package 3.0. So it just says, like, Manscaped, your Basel, thank you. It has, like, some other stuff on the back, but it's, like, pretty simple. Just, like, a nice black shirt. I found that it's, like, good marketing, for yourself like if you walk around manscaped t-shirt first of all people like ask you about it and so if you're like for me you know at the dmvr bar it's not like i'm spending a whole lot of time like being face to face with strangers but there do happen to be a lot of i guess at this point like women that are my age uh at the DNVR bar which is like a very recent development over the last week or two that we've noticed and uh that manscaped shirt again great conversation starter but also, like, you know, the, the other implications that come along with that, that you groom yourself well, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I do think that wearing that shirt is worth whatever it costs, like 20 bucks, or whatever they charge. Plus, I guess you get it for free if you order the perfect package 3.0. Um, and, and I wanted to highlight that particular item today. Uh, as we talked about Manscaped and as always, if you guys want to buy something from Manscaped or even just check out the products, you can go to manscaped.com and then of course, use the code DNVR 20 to save yourself 20% off your purchase. Uh, it's a great option. Um, so here's what I was thinking since it's a Friday, I'm kind of backed up on comments. We're going to get through all of those. Um, but also I didn't get much of a chance to talk about my guy, Mike Chandler, the second. Mike Chandler is uh, somebody who we've talked about a little bit. You know, with Justin Guerrero on, there have been a couple times I brought I- him up during those conversations talking about quarterbacks. Um, Mike Chandler is a walk on, a preferred walk on. Um, he, he turned down some scholarship opportunities. You know, New Mexico State probably being the most recognizable scholarship that he turned down. Here's what I want to say about Mike Chandler. I think his passing is underrated, and if you guys haven't watched him, uh, you guys should like just like search his name, like Google his name, click on videos, and just click on whatever pops up, because uh, he is electric. He's under six feet tall. I think they have him measured at like five eleven and a half, so barely under six feet tall. That makes him like, you know, Drew Brees size, Russell Wilson size, and I think that you can see a lot of Russell Wilson in the way he plays, but. Almost like if you just souped up the athleticism because he's juking guys out in the backfield. He's like weaving past guys. Again, he's just electric. That is the one word that you need to have when you describe him. Like he's just like weaving through traffic, setting up his blocks in front of him. And then when there isn't a blocker to set up to take out a guy in front of him, he'll just pull out a little spin move and just fly right by he can get to the edge he can run up the middle like he doesn't need to be in space to be a successful runner which seems like a pretty rare quality for a quarterback especially because you know obviously you don't want your quarterback to to get hit you don't really want him just pounding himself up the middle (sighs) Mike Chandler's in control like he just always seems like when he has the ball in his hands he understands what's going on around him and uh I'm really, really excited to see him play. I am really excited to see him play. And and he graduated. He was part of the 2020 class. So he would have been available to play starting on Monday when the bus was supposed to open camp. Um, Whether he had a real shot to win the quarterback competition, I'm not so sure. But now he's in there as a true freshman. Brendan Lewis is in there as a true freshman along with Tyler Lytle and Sam Noyer all competing for the starting job when the season likely does start in January or February. You know, I, I don't really want to dig into, like, the coronavirus stuff today because we have to talk about that a lot already on this podcast, and there isn't any real news outside of the championship stuff that forces us to go down that path. But I will say, just briefly, that the more I look at how teams are approaching the fall season – or the spring season, the more I think it could work. Um, the 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 way the plans have been written, and you know, we'll we'll see what the comments look like today. But I saw one that I might be able to like t- twist into a way to talk about one of the uh, spring season proposals. But uh, I have a whole bunch of ideas, and I've seen a bunch of good ideas, and uh, I do think that we're going to get football in the spring. Back to Mike Chandler, though. He released a uh, video of him working out, um, not just working out, but throwing footballs earlier this week that I thought was really impressive because when you watch him on tape and I think I've said this before, there is a bit of a wind up there. It isn't like uh, you know if we're going with mobile quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson has that little just wrist flick and he just hits everything right on the money, everything in the middle of the field. He just will not miss those passes, and he's going to get the ball out of his hands super quickly because he has such a compact release. Mike Chandler has a little bit more of a wind-up. It's not like the full like Tim Tebow trebuchet thing that he had going on, but it is notable that that he does have that little hitch. in. Uh, it's not even a hitch. It's just not the fastest release. I've been thinking back a lot to that conversation we had with uh, Danny Langsdorf, the uh, Buffs quarterbacks coach, when we talked about what's important to him. And number one, he said accuracy. Number two, if you have some sort of mobility, at least enough to survive in the pocket, even if you aren't a guy who's like a dual threat, you've got to be able to make a move, get outside of the pocket, and extend the play, at least occasionally. That was number two. And he said that there are some things with footwork, and with mechanics that he is pretty particular about, but he said that he could coach those. And again, these are the conversations from uh, when we first met all of these coaches uh, shortly after they were hired, after Carl Durrell built out this coaching staff. And you know that definitely is something that stuck with me, especially when you see somebody with Mike Chandler. Somebody who uh, is hitting his throws you know, he's, he is an accurate quarterback, even if you don't love the release. But again, that's something that Danny Langsdorf said that, uh, he feels like he can coach up. And now that he has, you know, whatever this is, three, four months to coach it up, maybe it works out. Maybe it works out. Um, I know I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, the, the, 26 passing touchdowns as a senior last year. You love that number. The 26 passing touchdowns the year before, you really love that number too. But then you throw on the 25 rushing touchdowns and 1,200, almost 1,300 rushing yards his senior year. I mean, those numbers at the highest level of Texas high school football, they, they stand out and they have to. Meanwhile, he has seven career interceptions in 638 career passing attempts. I just I just can't believe that Mike Chandler didn't get any better scholarship offers than the ones he did get. New Mexico State and Lamar are the two that uh, 247sports.com uh, has listed. <sighs> I, 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 I don't know. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this for sure. Um, three star prospect, point eight three. Uh, I'd also seen some other places say that he could just be like an athlete at the college level. He might not play quarterback. He might be somebody you know, like a a slot receiver that type. I would keep him at quarterback for as long as uh, as long as you can uh, see some sort of path to him being the guy. If if Brendan Lewis comes in and he has a an incredible rookie year or not rookie year, freshman year. And we're going into the sophomore season, kinda like the way we're talking about Jaden Daniels. You know, it doesn't need to be Keaton Slovis, where it's like, Oh yeah, he's probably top five in the Heisman ranks going into his sophomore season. But if he's comparable with a guy like Jaden Daniels, somebody who's in that top twenty instead of that top five, that's when I start to think maybe you do push Mike Chandler to uh some other position, or maybe he transfers out because he wants to play quarterback. And that's a position I really do think he could play. Um, And then uh, if, uh, you know, Brendan does look good, not great. I would still say you keep Mike Chandler around just to see what happens, just to see what happens. Um, and obviously, if Sam or Tyler Lytle gets that starting job, I would still keep Mike Chandler quarterback because you just don't know what's coming up next. And he has he has some very high upside. And I think that's what I'm really clinging to here when I watch him play football is that upside. Um, just one more option for the Buffs going forward, even if it would be a bit of an upset for him to get the job. I The way things are set up now, Nothing is going to surprise me about the next twelve months of college football. All right, uh, real quick, want to talk about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery? They uh, they make this podcast possible, and they make a bunch of other things possible at DMVR as well. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DMVR. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us during this crazy time. Uh, in particular. We highly recommend the Avalanche Amber Ale. Not just because the Avs are about to uh, win their second game on their way to a first-round sweep of the Arizona Coyotes. I'm going Coyotes. I've always heard people say, like, Coyotes, though. I think, like, the hockey team, it might just be Coyotes. Kind of like the Montreal Canadiens, which, you know, I just kind of hate that stuff. I don't – I think those are probably the only two – Professional sports teams in the United States that I just cannot commit to a way to say their name, only because I feel dumb saying Canadians and like emphasizing the eh part that everybody always emphasized. and then Coyotes, Coyotes, uh, I don't know. That stuff just throws me off. I guess anything with New Orleans, new New Orleans, that that'll screw me up too. Really, I just need to find a way to commit to. All of those words, and it will be just fine. I'll work on that, but right now, it's time to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Again, Avalanche Amber Ale, very good beer. Farmhouse is open. It's socially distanced. It's beautifully set for outside dining. There's also curbside pickup from noon to 8 p.m. Um, you can get the beer delivered through the Drizzly app or uh, grocery stores like King Supers, Costco, uh, liquor stores, all sorts of different places. Um If you want to uh, order some pickup, then call 303-803-1380 and use the code DMBR to save $5. So many good beers. They bring your order out to you, to your car. Um, And uh, if you can't make it to Littleton, to the farmhouse, you can use the Breckenridge Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website to figure out where you can buy whatever it is you want to buy. Okay. Also, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members at DMVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer, and they are loving it. Ali Monroy and Harrison Wind are really enjoying everything that MSU is uh, doing for them through their online programs. Um, one of MSU's mantras is learn to lead the change, and MSU Denver services Denver and as a steward of the community. Um, if you guys want more information about the 40-plus online programs that will get you a degree or over 700 courses uh, that are offered online, you should go to msudenver.com online for more information. Or, of course, you can reach out to Harrison and Allie for more information as well. All right, we've got a lot of comments to get to. Well, a lot being like five or six or so. Um, they've just kind of stacked up from a few of the regulars. And uh, we're going to run through a bunch of those right now because I feel like that's a fun way to spend a Friday. Silverbuff comes in with a comment on... Uh, this is the story about the uh, student-athletes organizing themselves in the Pac-12. Uh, so it's about a week old now. The Time is just flying so fast right now. So fast. Uh, but Silverbuff said... Most school athletic departments run in the red. For them to afford to pay players, the administration would need pay cuts. Sure, you can cut facility costs, but most of the champion centers for athlete health and fitness, only a fraction is luxury items. If we were paying players in 2014, we wouldn't have an indoor practice facility. We would have the driving range bubble still. No one would want to play for CU, even with a check. Yeah, good points. And it is important to remember that most school athletic departments are not making money the buffs are kind of a rarity in terms of them just kind of turning a profit year in and year out um, but again we don't need to talk anymore about how good of a job this current leadership system in this athletic department has done I think that's been pretty obvious obvious to me in my like year here and we've spent some time talking about it so yeah important to remember that also uh the administration would need pay cuts yeah you would have to do that to uh pay the players. And again, like if you think back to like 30 years ago, if it in the 19 wow, that would be 1990. Let's go like 40 years ago. Let's say in like 1980, the players found a way to organize even though social media didn't exist and it was basically impossible to do anything together, anything in like any sort of unified way. Let's say somehow they had convinced the NCA to give them like 25% of the revenue from the the football, whatever, football players get 25% of football revenue, something like that, then the administration would, would not be making the salaries they make that today because every school would be paying out that money or the Pac-12 or every conference, whatever, would be paying out that money. And schools just wouldn't have the extra money to throw around. Nobody could afford to pay what the top administrators are being paid now. And so you wouldn't have these super inflated costs, whether it's the Pac-12 administrators, the school administrators, or even the coaches. You know, the the going rate for the best coach in college football wouldn't be $12 million or whatever it is per year. It would probably be closer to like $7 million because of the cut that the players would get. But it's kind of a waste of time talking about that because – that isn't what happened. The players didn't organize then and get their share of the revenue. And so now here we are where it would take a pay cut instead of just less pay raises over the course of whatever time period to uh, to make this work. And that's going to be ugly. And uh, who knows what happens. But yeah, facility costs, that's only like a part of what you'd have to do But it is an example of where money's kind of being thrown around. You know, a college football locker room should never be nicer than an NFL locker room. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are some that are. And that is, uh, I mean, it just goes to show the kind of inefficiency or whatever you want to call what's going on here. Um, Yeah. If, if you were paying players, if you didn't spend all that money on practice facilities and the Buffs were playing in the driving range bubble, practicing in the driving range bubble, that would make things tougher. But I think a lot of schools would be in similar positions where they would be playing in less extravagant facilities. You know what the Buffs have right now is really nice and it's cool they have it. I'm sure everybody enjoys having it. And uh, it, it was a good investment given the system. If the system were different then maybe there would have been a couple of cuts there and there would have been something in between. I don't know. Uh, The problem is that there seems to be a lot of money going a lot of different directions, not a whole lot toward the players. And that's what the players are saying. But again, Rick George made some great points yesterday. You know, they spend $1.5 million on uh, nutrition every year. I wonder, let's just do some quick math. Uh, so 1.5 million divided by, let's just call it a thousand student athletes. Even that number is pretty high. You know that could be 1,500 bucks in cash for a thousand different people who benefit. There are not that many student athletes on campus at CU. You think like a hundred with the football team, 20, 40 when you factor in the basketball team. So let's call it like 150. I mean, it's probably half that. It's probably closer to 500. Would a student-athlete rather have $3,000 a year to feed themselves or the nutrition? I would say you probably just want the nutrition facilities, but you know what? I'm, uh, I'm not in their shoes and don't really want to speak on their behalf. It's just a complicated issue. Um, B Mixer with a comment on a Katie Nixon story when he was kind of talking about all of what's up in his life which has mostly changed in the last week or so. Uh, B Mixer said, I think Nixon has to take a big leap and be a lot more consistent in catching the ball. I do not know who the playmaker will be as every other receiver has to make big strides. Maybe Arias or Stanley could be a guy to do some things. Yep, I, I agree. I think you look at all of those guys, those top three, and I think that this top three of Nixon, Arius, and Stanley has kind of separated itself from the group of receivers behind them. You know, these are the three who would be a uh, pretty heavy upset if they weren't key pieces of this offense going forward. Um and you know Nixon definitely leads the charge in terms of this group of three, but again, like I've said before, I want to see him be better making tacklers miss, whether that means being more dynamic with the jukes and the spins or even just setting up blockers, or just running guys over because he does have kind of a stocky build. But he needs to make more tacklers miss, or he needs to become faster. And you know he's been saying that he's getting faster, which is a good sign. But if he can do one of those two things, or just catch the ball every single time and get a little more separation across the middle, then he could be more of your prototypical slot. He needs to do one of those three things. He needs to be Either better, more consistent catching the ball, like B Mixer said, and uh, consistent in his route running, consistently getting space on the short routes, being an easy outlet for his quarterback, or he's able to make guys miss when he gets the ball, or he just needs more pure speed. And if he gets one of those three things, I think he'll be in good shape going forward. If he gets two or more, then that's when you could start to see him become a more dynamic threat. A guy who you talk about is an all Pac 12 player. Um, Yeah, those are my thoughts there. Um, B Mixer again. CU was Carter's only Power 5 offer. Uh, This is talking about the uh, quarterback who signed with Colorado. Um, Oh, I think I may have said some of those schools are Power 5. I can't remember. That was a long time ago. Boise, Fresno, and the other Mountain West schools are group of five. I think Carter will find out that it is impossible to play both his freshman year. uh, Play both in terms of play both football and basketball his freshman year and we'll have to make a choice. If he decides to play basketball, he will not have a scholarship as CU has given him a walk on opportunity on basketball. I see something similar. Um I think that he is uh he's a football player. He's a football player. We'll we'll see what how he, everything shakes out on the route to him becoming a football player. But uh he's a football player. I would guess it's pretty quick that he just uh Becomes full-time football, doesn't really spend much time thinking about basketball. But who knows? Who knows? um Silver Buff uh, says you can't say the product of college ball is similar to that of the NFL. Two percent of FBS players are good enough for the NFL. Last year's LSU team would get steamrolled by the Browns. That's why NFL players get that revenue share. Aside from the obvious fact that NFL players are pro. College players are not pros. NIL is fair, but a fifty percent revenue share is not even possible. All women's sports would be gone, which violates Title IX. I wouldn't care if every four star, five star played in a small NFL minor league. Most college fans go to games to watch their school with their traditions. Yeah, and that's a weird thing. Like in terms of like quality of play, yeah, NFL is well ahead of college football. But in terms of just like the way they're broadcast, where it's like Saturdays you can sit down And watch college football games. They're broadcast like NFL games. And people watch them like they are NFL games. You know, I I think the biggest argument against what I said, that the product is very similar, and that people tune in and watch in a very similar way, is that the difference is college players are more replaceable. And having talked with Ben Gerding on one of these podcasts we did together, I think that that has been one of the bigger shifts in my thought process through all of this has been the amount of power that college football players actually have because, again, we look through, and if half the players dropped out, half the starters drop out, you can look through the depth chart and say, hey, these aren't guys who are going to be just as good as those guys, but they're going to be good enough to go out there and play football and people will still watch. And I think that, if you think of like football players as like this pyramid where it is like, as, as Silverbuff said, 2% of FBS players are good enough for the NFL. You have like this little pinnacle of guys who are actually NFL players all the way down. When you're watching the average college football game, that pyramid, you're in kind of the middle portion where it is really wide. And if those guys drop out, you could pull in some guys who are worse, are not as good of football players as the guys who are on the field, but the average fan may not see too much of a difference or may not, like, stop watching because of that difference. Whereas in the NFL, if they did lose, you know, say half the starters, you know, you lose one of Tom Brady, one of Drew Brees. You lose – or, yeah, one of Tom Brady or Drew Brees. You lose one of uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. You lose one of, let's just say, Deshaun Watson and – uh Russell Wilson, you do that all the way through all the quarterbacks. At running back, you know, you lose one of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon, uh, one of Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara, maybe overweighting him a little bit. But but you would lose a significant amount of talent, Uh, particularly in the trenches, which I probably should have gone straight there. Um, I think that that would be tougher for the NFL to swallow, or for the NCAA to swallow than the NFL to swallow. But in terms of like what people are watching the game for. At least for me, it is very much the same reason. You turn it on to just watch the football. You don't turn it on because of like the coaches who get all the money or any of that kind of stuff. I just, I don't know. Saturdays and Sundays, like yes, the football players are better on Sundays, but I don't know. I guess I would stand by the the reason that that doesn't matter too much is that the college players can't parlay that into power, you know, having any real power to say, hey, we're all going to sit out and there's nothing you can do because there is something the NCAA could do. They could just get more players in a way that the NFL couldn't just get more players. And, uh, that is the big difference between the NFL and the NCAA, at least in that regard, in my mind. Um, Buff Anden, oh, I think a new commenter, uh, says, uh, lose $62 million or $62 million reduction of revenue. Big difference. Still not a good situation, but reduction of revenue could be offset by reduction of costs. Yeah, so uh, that is reduction of revenue. So that's just straight up. And again, this is coming from the ESPN article where they brought in the uh, sports business management uh, director, at Washington University in St. Louis, Uh, he said it'd be on average at least $62 million loss of revenue. So let's call it loss of revenue, which means a lot of it can be uh, uh, offset, but uh, that's a a lot to try to offset. Um, Good clarification there. Moving along to uh, silver buff again, if NFL teams can play 20 games in just over 20 weeks, college players can play a condensed spring and normal fall schedule over a nine month period. That's an interesting one. And I do think let's, let's dig into this in the final segment, because, uh, I think it was, I was head coach. I was athletic director throughout a plan yesterday. So let's talk about that plan. Um, because I do think there's some interesting stuff because it is true. NFL players do play. 20 games in 20 weeks if they uh, go to the Super Bowl. I guess there's one week off there. I guess most of the Super Bowl teams tend to have a bye in the first round. But not anymore. Only the ones he gets the bye in the NFL now. So you're going to see less of that. So let's call it 20 games in 20 weeks. Or 21 weeks because there's a bye in there. Um, you know, my question here. And it's a question because I don't know the answer. So... When you see rookies go to the NFL, there's this thing called the rookie wall. And it's totally just kind of agreed upon that it's there. And I guess the first question is, do you really see a drop-off from rookies after week 10, week 12, like, like a lot of people say that you do? Um, and I'm not sure if there's data that backs that up, data that says the average rookie running back becomes this much less efficient, the rookie receivers do this, the linemen do this, you know, all of whatever it is that you could measure to track whether there is this falloff. That is the first question. Is this rookie wall that everybody talks about real? But then from there, is the rookie wall because these guys just aren't used to playing this long? Um, they aren't used to playing this many games Um, and and the toll on the body is just new to them, and they need to know better how to prepare for it? Or is it because at age 22, when they're getting into the league, their bodies still just aren't prepared for it? And so you have to have that extra development of muscles or whatever uh, that you get over the next couple of years. When you go to 23, 24, and then you start becoming more consistent late. Um, So yeah, um, cause, cause it could be that these guys just aren't used to playing that many games. And if you got them used to it, they could do it. No doubt. I guess in, in terms of this situation, um, we'll dig into the actual schedule later on, but I do know that this was a big issue with Carl Durrell. How do you make this work? Because football is so intense and, uh, College football players typically haven't been asked to play this many games, except for by me because I want the uh, college football playoff. Um, but that is definitely something worth monitoring, how coaches talk about um, the potential for a spring season and a fall season in the same year. How worried are you about it? Um, I don't know. We'll, t- we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, Sunny Rain says... This sucks, but honestly, I feel better knowing that players and coaches aren't put into a situation that could blow back on them and everyone else involved. And the NFL players can opt out, and mostly know that they will still have unemployment going or still have employment going forward. Kids having to sign waivers to play and the hope of saving their professional chances going forward is just brutal. The Buffs don't have any round one prospects at this point. Guys like that can simply skip out and know they're good. I think this is best for all those who aren't actually on the field in some fashion. I feel for those employed in other aspects of these sports. It really sucks for them. Have a good one, Henry. Stay safe. Well, thanks, Sunny Rain. Um, Yeah, basically those are all my thoughts. You know, you look at guys, say there is a season, Nate Landman may say, hey, I'm scared of what could happen to my heart because of this new information we're having or we're finding, but I just can't afford to take a year off. You know, there's just all these weird pressures pushing so many different directions. And uh, the truth is, it is a disease that we don't know enough about to make decisions that we can be fully confident in. in, in either way, really, because it could turn out that the heart thing is overblown and whatever else, and that you probably could have played this season safely, or it just as easily could turn out that the heart problems are very serious and that they are worth shutting down a season over, or that there will be some other issue that flares up. And again, we just don't know. I'm all right erring on the side of caution. Um, It just sucks. It just sucks. Um, Yeah. Uh, Let's talk briefly about the Colorado Raptors. So, You may have heard us mention that there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space, and now we can spill the details. DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast, and you can find his written rugby content right on our site with the rest of our coverage. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That means that Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States. Make sure you are keeping up to speed with us and with Colton on the DMVR Rugby Podcast. Uh, you can download that podcast wherever you download podcasts. And our guy Colton is doing basic 101 pods to break down the game for you. They are incredible. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. So download the DMVR Rugby Podcast and follow along at DNVR Rugby on Twitter. Okay, so uh, it was actually... Purdue's coach Jeff brome not somebody from Iowa like I thought I was just been all over everything so far but uh he put together a plan for uh, spring football in the big Ten and also how they would handle fall of 2021 as well um here are the basic points so they would start a two-week training camp on um, January 16th. Uh, that move to a four-week, like, real training camp. So the first little two weeks is just, like, getting used to it, getting stretched out, all that kind of stuff. You have four weeks of real camp. That would end February 26th. And then you start an eight-game season with no bye week February 27th. That's the Saturday. That's that first weekend of games. Afterward, you'd have two empty weeks before the postseason – the postseason, he puts together a couple of different plans. One would include um, the Big Ten Championship and then the Rose Bowl and the 14 playoff, that kind of stuff. But the other is to have a six-team playoff, uh, which would start uh, May 1st and May 15th. And here's how that would work. You'd have the five Power Five Conference Champs and one wild card. Then you'd take the top two seeds, and they would have a first-round buy. Uh, After that, you get uh, three months off, no mandatory workouts. You start uh, your summer voluntary athletics activity stuff um, mid-July going through the end of August, essentially. And then uh, you get an off week before a four-week training camp that starts September 4th. You have a 10-game season after that that runs from October 2nd. To December eleventh, and then the same postseason options. Though that postseason would run January first through January fifteenth. That makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and the part that I really like about it is the potential for an expanded college football playoff. And I know that that's a contentious issue for a whole bunch of different reasons for a whole bunch of different people. Um, but What I really like about this is that college football would be taking the opportunity they've been given to try some new things, some things that they might actually like, some things that we've been talking about for forever uh, in the same way that you've seen that happen in um, other sports that have come back. You know, the, the MLB, for example, or just MLB. You're not supposed to say the MLB, and sometimes I still do that. MLB. They're trying out the runners on second base in extra innings to speed things up. They're trying out the DH in the National League. And whenever there's a doubleheader, they're playing seven-inning games in both of those two games. Who knows which of those stick and which don't? The point is, Major League Baseball saw this situation they were in and said, hey... This is a time for us to do this stuff, and if we like it, we can keep it. And if not, we can say, no, we're not doing it, and we'll have real reasons to do it. We at least gave it a shot instead of just, like, everybody fighting about whether to do it or not without ever even, like, trying it or, you know, the way that everything always gets done. Uh, the NBA also, it's probably going to start its season in December, and there have been rumors. So so the, the NBA owns Christmas Day. They just own it. That's, like, the biggest day of the year for them. I know for me, like, I wake up in the morning and just watch Basketball Day. It's all the best games. It's, like, the finals rematch. It's all of the stars going up against their rivals. Like, it is a great day of basketball. Well, now the NBA is likely going to start its season right around Christmas because they're finishing so late because of the 140 days off that they had to take uh, during the season. But they could start that on Christmas – and if they like that schedule, which would mean they're not competing so much with football, they could dominate the spring and uh, essentially kind of play through the summer, play their playoffs through the summer, which is typically just regular season baseball games. So there isn't too much competition to for, for like viewers compared to trying to pull this off during uh, NFL season and then having playoffs the same time as the NHL. They could say, hey, we're doing this in the twenty twenty one or 2020-2021 season. We're starting in December, and if we like it, then we'll keep it. I love that they're taking that opportunity to try it, see if there are any problems, and then just make a good, educated decision based on a whole bunch of information. That's the way it should be. This is the way college football should be handling it, too. They should... Try a 16 playoff, or maybe even try an 18 playoff. Maybe you say, you know what? We can't do bowl games. Bowl games just don't make sense in this model, the way everything's structured. Let's open it up to 12 teams and have like a real playoff system. I don't think that's likely. You know, again, I come from the FCS system where uh, the uh, there's a 24 team playoff after the same length regular season of FBS. Um, and again, it's Division One football with a 24-team tournament, with home teams hosting. And it is so much fun. So much fun. Um, I think that they should at least try six teams, try eight teams. And then when the time comes, I think that their deal with the college football playoff, like the TV deal, all that kind of stuff, whatever is holding them to um, this structure, expires in 2026, maybe 2023, somewhere in that range. So there is at least a few more years where they probably do have to do the four-team playoff. Um, maybe they could cut a deal and change things early. But at the very least, take this opportunity where you do get to tweak things to try something new, try something that about half of college football fans want and half don't, do it for a year and see where people wind up. You know, I hated the idea of having a DH in the National League. I'm not going to say I love it right now, but I will say that if they keep it, I'm going to be fine with it. You know, it's not going to be something that I'm going to be upset about because I've seen it and I'm like, well, it really isn't that big of a difference. You know, the second, the base runner on second base and extra innings. I'm not so sure about that one still, but again, we're trying it and we're going to keep trying it for a couple more months. And then we'll actually have the information to make good decisions about all these things. Instead of people deciding on a stance beforehand and just sticking to it in the way that basically, Everything gets done in America. But that's a topic for a different day. And uh, that's going to do it for today's podcast. If you guys have any comments, uh, we will get to those. I'll probably be getting to them more regularly now um, instead of letting them build up for a week and then doing them on Fridays. But, uh, yeah, appreciate all those. You can go to the post for today's show at thedmbr.com. Basically, you just if you have the app or if you're on the website, you just open it up. You go to the podcast tab or the Buffs tab, I guess. And if you go to – why did I make this so confusing? Go to the podcast tab, go to the Buffs pod tab, and click on today's show, which will probably be something about Mike Chandler or playoff structure, something like that. And uh, then you can leave your comment there. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, We'll stay tuned on this podcast or whatever news breaks about college football. Um, because there is still some stuff coming out that impacts the buffs. Um, like what is even happening this spring? Are we going to just get all of college football then and have what could be as normal of a college football season as we could get in this situation, eight or 10 games, a real postseason. season. I don't know for the first time. I think that college football might be headed in the right direction. I think that they can actually pull this off, um, Whereas this whole fall season, I've just kind of been thinking like, oh, it's going to be fun if it happens, going to be fun if it happens, but thinking, no, there's probably no way they can make it work. Now I feel like there is a real target date. Let's let's get to this January 1st and see what's going on. I think we're going to be starting up some workouts or something. Um, but hopefully we all just wear our masks to make those odds as good as possible. They'll happen. Uh, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back next week with more buffs talk for you guys. Appreciate you all for listening and uh, I'll see you then.
0: I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when no minute play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to egg. And when no minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. 180, speed and pad competence, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado yeah. Army with soldiers like the Navy, yeah. and boaters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Boy. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave, yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid, uh-huh. cause you know we finna hit you. hit ya, hit ya. You on your own now, Why you watching the official, yeah. you just The I scene. Scene. they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad, holla get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado We, got if we don't then we'll get them when we see them, then we act like my Colorado Sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get a when with my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado Sway.